This is a podcast by the Business Times. Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by the Business Times, where we offer actionable financial tips. I'm your host Ernest Lewis. Now, this episode is aimed at those of you who are considering how to choose the right mortgage for your stage in life now. So, after listening to us, you get a better idea and can get cracking. Now, to help us with that is Chris Ng. He's the head of mortgage at financial comparison service MoneySmart.sg. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, hi, Ernest. So, uh, briefly, tell us what is MoneySmart. Well, MoneySmart, we are a financial coach. So, we aggregate the different financial products from the bank to put it across to customers for easy comparison and to select the best choices for them. Okay, so you actually have a team of people who are working to compare all these services and then sort of break it down for your readers. Yes, that's right. Okay, can readers sort of engage and interact with MoneySmart as well? Oh yes, they can engage and interact and get the information online okay. from our site. And if they need to speak to somebody as well, we do have our specialists to be able to speak to them over the phone as well. Okay, so these are specialists in uh, mortgage, right? These are mortgage specialists. Okay. Besides other services as well? Uh, besides other services. Okay, well. tell us about yourself. You've had a decade of experience in the mortgage and property industry yourself. What are the insights that you can give us today in this episode? And also, what are the common concerns that you've come across from people you've dealt with? Well, I've, having been in mortgage for so long, right? I mean, one of the most common concern I have from consumers is that they are actually pretty fearful of a loan, right? Mm. Because this is a huge amount. And in a typical Asian mentality, we want to take as little loan as possible and pay it off as soon as possible. So this is also coming from a lack of understanding of how a mortgage loan works compared to other kind of loans. For mortgage loan, is uh, amortization, uh, is reducing balance itself. So never be afraid to max it out. Mm. Uh, so that's one of the common misconceptions that consumers tend to have, right? They yeah. tend to think that if I take a 20 years loan, I'm already loaded with 20 years of interest. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing because a lot of people think, oh, I can't afford this flat, mm. but I need a lump sum of money yeah. to sort of like cover the max of it. But I've often heard about this advice. As long as you're working, it may make better sense in terms of like property to get a loan, right, actually? Oh, yes, that's yeah. right. Okay, now let's dive into the mortgages and mortgage loans. What are the three most common types for each? That's really straightforward. The three common types, firstly, is the floating rates, followed by the fixed rates. Yep. And the third one will be a combination of both. Okay. So let's tackle floating first. Some people get scared off when they hear that word. <laughs> I used to think it was initially when I made my first property purchase, I thought floating was fantastic. Right. It was the best thing. Then after that, after a few years, then I thought, oh no, this is getting scary. Should I have gone for fixed? So yeah, tell us more. All right. Floating will be the most complex of all three packages, in fact. Because floating itself, they are categorized into three different groups of what the bank packed the floating against, right? Right. So for floating rates, there's typically three pegging that they use. The first type typically is the bank's internal index. Okay. Uh, it used to be called the board rate for those who are familiar and taken loans a longer time ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, today they call it different names, but essentially it's still a bank control index. It's a, essentially a board rate itself. The second type of index that the banks commonly use is actually pegging to one of their fixed deposit trenches. Mm -hmm. And the third one is the market index, Cybor. Okay. Cybor is increasingly being familiar with the younger audience now. What do you think are the benefits of each? 
Okay, firstly, for bank rates-wise, right, if you look at their internal index basing on the board rate itself, that typically gives you the lowest effective rates. Mm. And they have the most features in the packages itself. However, the downside is that there's technically no transparency to mm. how the adjustments is to be made down the line. So if you are the kind of person who doesn't really check on your bank rate all the time, a floating rate, and then you sort of the person who puts this at the back of your mind for a long while, a floating rate might not be advisable for you unless you're prepared to do research, unless what, you're prepared to catch up with the bank all the time? Yes, you can put it that way. It also depends on, in comparison against the fix, what is the premium you're going to pay? Okay. If the premium is like 70 basis point to 1% difference, then of course, you can take the risk on the float. Okay. However, if the premium is very close, then obviously the choice is to go for the fix rather okay. than a float. Okay. So you've got to do your calculations and see. It depends on various times in the market itself, right? So most times, a fixed rate is actually half a percent to 1% over a floating mm. rate, which then the choice, obviously, a lot of consumers will want a lower effective rate for now, banking on the chance that the increment will not over what the fixed rate will be, right? So at this point in time in market, the premium of a fixed rate is actually very close to a floating rate. So that's about? Right now, there's almost no difference between a fixed and a float. So okay. consumers then actually shy away from a floating rate and actually go for a fixed rate. So, okay, let's uh, talk about the other types of the rates as well. The other index pegging against the fixed deposit is something that came about four years ago where the market itself actually wanted a more transparent package, mm-hmm. right? So using the bank's FD index is something that is more transparent. Although a FD rate is still controlled by the bank itself, it is a published rate that customers can put deposit in, right? Right. So this has also become popular over the last few years because it offers uh, more transparency mm-hmm. and stability over a board rate package. Okay. Yeah. The last type being the cyber, this will be the most transparent because no individual bank has control over the cyborg index itself. However, the volatility in the cyborg will also be the most itself, right? Mm. So if you're someone to, who wants full transparency and can accept the volatility that comes with it, that every few months your interest rate might change, mm. then cyborg is something that you can consider. Okay, I had a nephew recently who was asking me about his first property purchase and he, and he was thinking, oh, okay, maybe I should float a while for the first two, three years while the numbers are still low mm-hmm. and then after that, maybe consider a fix after that because, yes, as you said, the market keeps changing. Right. But there's no hard and fast strategy, right, that we should always take. As we always hear in our Money Hacks podcast series, a lot of people say, keep doing your research and keep updating yourselves with the rates as well. Well, firstly, yes, you should always keep doing your research and keep updating, right? But Mm. that's a very tiring process and you don't know where to get the information. Okay. So that's where we come into the picture, right? Right. The thing is that, you're asking about at the start, should you just go for a float first while to try it out and go for a fix later? It really depends in the point in time, mm. right? What's the differential between the two indexes, right? If the difference between a fixed rate and a floating rate is only like 20, 30 basis point differential, you pay a very low premium to get a assurance, then definitely go for the fix. So it's only if the fix is very high, then that's where you can take the gamble, as Mike say, on the floating rate itself. So there's no wrong or right in either way mm. itself. It's really due to the consumer preference and the level of volatility they are willing to accept. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you like Money Hacks so far, please subscribe to Money Hacks on Apple's podcast, Google Podcasts or Spotify and like us and give us a rating. And now back to our conversation about mortgages with Chris Ng from moneysmart.sg. 
So, Chris, to make it easier for our listeners, let's take a look at the profiles of people who might be taking up and considering mortgages and mortgage loans as well. So, um, obviously, there's going to be the first-timer, right? Right. What would be another type of profile that you would find? The other type of profiles that I would find is the upgraders Mm -hmm. as well as the seasoned investors. Okay. And what about people who want to refinance? That's also a concern, right? A few years in, they want to refinance. Correct. So, most customers actually unaware of the fact that they can actually do a refinancing to, you know, average down their interest rate itself. So, in the refinancing customers, they are also the first-timer who is doing it for the first time and the seasoned pro who has done it like three, four times. So, Chris, can you give us sort of like one or two actionable tips for each of these profiles? Let's start off with the first-timer. Right. So, for first-timers, right, you have to be clear whether this property is for a long-term stay or for investment itself. Potentially, even a lot of HDB buyers today, they have intention to sell it after the five years MOP. So that affects in terms of the selection of the mortgage that you want to go on. If it's more for a long-term stay, then definitely you can afford to go on a longer lock-in period to secure a better rate itself. Okay. However, if your horizon is shorter itself, then you have to select a package that is timed to that to have more flexibility in the packages that allows for no lock-in, that allows for waiver of penalties for sale of property and hence to pay a slightly higher rate for that. Right, so don't just think of location. You always got to think what is your objective, right? Right. Five years down the road or is it just short term, long term? Right. That will help you get the best deals out there. That is the first (laughs) step to selecting the package. Then obviously there are other considerations you have to look at as well. Okay. What about someone who is refinancing? I gather from you that refinancing is something that is very much overlooked among Singaporeans. Right. Okay. So for refinancing, why is it overlooked is that the consumers tend to have this impression that when I'm refinancing, I'm restarting my loan all over again. And hence, I'm going to pay more interest actually. That's not how it works. Because yep. housing loans, they do not load the future interests into the principal amount is on the monthly reducing balance. So as long as you refinance and you're having a lower rate as compared to now and maintaining the same loan tenure, you definitely will save in interest. Okay, so you have to make sure that you have a lower rate Yes And maintain that same tenure, right? Yes Yeah, or else you are just... Lower rate itself will definitely give you the savings in interest. You can take a longer loan tenure than what is current if you have taken a very short one. That is to give you a cash flow management by bringing down the installments down. Bringing down the installment doesn't necessarily mean that the interest is brought down. Okay. Mm. Good tips. I mean, who knows, maybe situations may have changed in your job, yeah. your cash flow as well. Correct. So you definitely can look at lengthening the loan tenure to yeah. ease up your cash flow management on a monthly basis. Okay, that's a good tip. What about upgraders? What are one or two good things that they should keep in mind as well? For upgraders, I mean, this will be the second time that they're taking a loan. So they'll be pretty familiar with it. So the only thing to keep in mind itself is whether should you go for a joint purchase, a single purchase, right? Even the loan itself. Today, you can actually buy a property in joint name with your spouse, but you do not necessarily need to have both names in the mortgage itself. Okay. And... What you're telling me sort of hints at this new kind of profile that we might be seeing these days. A couple married, basically, (laughs) and then maybe one of them decides they want to get another property but under their own name. Is there a term for this? Oh, yes. It's commonly known as decoupling. Okay. What does this all mean? So, 
typically they decouple from each other. Yeah. Not in the marital status, but <laughs> in the property ownership. Okay. Typically, if it's joint ownership, is one party buying over the other party's share and freeing the name okay. from a property and a mortgage itself. Right. Why would they do this now? Well, the reason why they do this is to be able to purchase a second property with lower cost. So now he becomes a first-timer for a subsequent property purchase in terms of stamp duties. And he also become a first-time mortgage loan. Yes. Right? So in mortgage loan itself, if it's your first loan, you're eligible for up to 75. Mm. Right? But subsequent loans is of lower amount. Yeah. So as long as financially, income-wise, in both of them are able to handle the loan on their own and qualify for the loan on their own, right? It has been the common thing of them trying to decouple mm. so that as a couple, they can own one property for stay and one for investment. Okay, so we are talking about couples who are fairly established then right. in age and also fairly established in their careers. So right. they can afford to do this. Right. That means when the other person goes and looks at a mortgage loan then, Obviously, you're looking at a very much shorter tenure. They've got to balance this, right? And, and they can see it's whether it's for investments, as you said. Well, they can balance this in some way in upfront of the purchase itself. So like what I mentioned, you can get a property in both names and only one party to take the loan itself. So essentially, the other party's name is free from a loan. Okay. And in terms of taking the joint purchase of the property, mm. you do not necessarily have to be an equal share, like 50-50. You can be 90-10 share itself. So this kind of facilitates the taking over of the other party's share later on down the line. All right, thanks. We've been speaking with Chris Ng from Money Smart. Thanks for helping us figure out the basics of mortgage and also for those who are a little bit more advanced in their career and, and ages and who want to figure out a bit more about what they can do with mortgage and mortgage loans for investment purposes as well. Chris, thanks a lot. Thank you. We hope you like these actionable financial tips. That was an SPH podcast by The Business Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online. Any financial or investment information in this podcast is for use in Singapore only and is intended to be for your general information. Any particular investment or decision should only be made after consulting with a fully qualified financial advisor.